Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, this is really unusual. I'm in a booth completely by myself. No, nobody on the phone with me. No guest. Uh, ben Kitchen, my producer, is not even in town right now. This is sort of a uh, rogue podcast. Uh, enough about me. I've been on for a while. <clears throat> uh, it's been... Not such a great few months for me, as you guys know by now, if you listen to the show. Uh, my dad passed three weeks ago today, uh, three weeks ago, right about now, actually, uh, as I'm taping this. So, it, you know, the, the podcast is not, well, it's an excuse, yes. The podcast has suffered because of it. We're going to be okay. We're fine now. We're back on board. I'm actually taping another one this afternoon with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at 2 o'clock, and I have a special one ready to go uh, for next week. I'm going to tape next week, uh, hopefully. So I think we're going to be on board. We have a whole bunch lined up as well. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I appreciate it. I thank you. Uh, we're not going to. We're not done. We're not going to stop. We're going to keep going. A uh, little little blip. Not going to be one of these podcasts that just fade away. Uh, we're going to go on. We're going to go on and on and on and on. If you don't like them, that's great. If you like them, fantastic. Uh, I enjoy doing it. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's turned out to be a little more difficult. Than I thought it was going to be squeezing it in from a time perspective. But we're going to be okay going forward. Uh, as I sit in Meter's booth and I look at the midday guys getting ready to do their show, I figured, fuck it. I didn't want to have a guest in this week. I didn't want to go back and forth. So I thought I'd just do a mailbag. Last time I did it was with Mutt. It was kind of a disaster, not his fault. It just didn't really work. Uh, so I'm just going to do it by myself. I tweeted out uh, a couple of times over the last couple of days and got a couple hundred questions here, about 300. I've highlighted the ones I'm going to do. Uh, so we're going to go through this here and do them. Podcast, by the way, Enough About Me is sponsored by Milton's, the store for men. You can go to Chestnut Hill. Uh, you can go to the uh, South Shore Plaza as well. We love Milton's. They're great. They reached out to uh, reached out to us and have always been helpful to us. You go in, they take care of you 100%. You want summer clothes, they'll do it for you. You want to get dressed for a wedding, they're going to take care of it. No matter what, they're going to take a business, business casual. Uh, you want a, a suit for business, no problem. Your first suit, Milton's will do it for you. It is the best place to go. It's the only place I go. They outfit me now completely. Love those guys in Milton's uh, 100%. You cannot go wrong if you go to Milton's, the store for men. We'll give another plug or two here as the podcast rolls along. So it's a mailbag podcast here. Uh, so let's take a look at it. I got the printed all the questions. Chris Curtis did that for me, so I highlighted a bunch Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Where do you want to start here? Here you go. All right. Uh, do you think I, you guys think I should do the handle for all the people on Twitter every time I do it or no? I'm going to say no because it just seems like who gives a fuck who uh, at uh, underscore Bernard C is? Probably nobody, right? You won't even get him another follower. So why do it? But I did it. So he asks, is there any new additions coming to the couch soon? Reinstate Evan Drellick. He isn't afraid to fight back. Has his own ideas unlike Mutt. <clears throat> well, I think the question I get asked the most, I get two, the most. One is about Tangway, and then the second is about the casting couch. People always ask me about the casting couch, and they do it this way. When are you guys going to have a third person? It's always that question. Not, hey, I like this guy. I like that guy. I like Trenny. I like Alex. <clears throat> it's who's going to be the third person. Well, there's not going to be a permanent third person. We've already said that, so that's done. New additions coming to the couch soon. It's a good question. I feel like we're sort of in a rotation right now. Some might say a rut. 
uh, with Trenny, Alex, Mutt, and Tomasi, who's kind of moved his way in as the fourth guy right now. I myself am totally open to a fourth person. Absolutely, 100%, or a fifth person or another person, if there's somebody new. My question is, as it always is, is who? Who has stepped up in the media here over the last few months when you listen to them, see them on TV, hear them on the radio, where you say or read them, where you say, boy, I absolutely want to hear more from this person. I got nobody for you. Drellick, I thought, was all right. Drellick was good for a fight down the four Myers, but I thought that was really <clears throat> I thought that was really all he had. I, and then he was on with us the next couple of times. I wasn't impressed. And then, yes, he went on with us one day, went into Joe Zarbano's office, filled out paperwork to be a uh, a WEI worker, an employee to get paid, and then call Touch and Rich the next day. To me, that's a no-no. You know, Jerry, I think, is more lenient. For me, that's a six-month rip. He's out for six months on our show. I know he's all over the place. He and Rob run together all the time on the weekends and filling in and stuff. So if you like Drellick, you'll get them then. I don't think for us uh, that's going to happen. Uh, Drellick, I would say a no on Drellick right now, a soft no, but a no on Drellick right now. Right now, it is Mutt, it is Alex, it is Trenny, it is Tomasi. It's working. The numbers are good. Uh, and again, nobody stepped up. Uh, and, and the other thing that, that really kind of fucking bothers me is, like, nobody really wants it. Nobody, that guys like the Arcans and the Drellics and these other people, they don't reach out and say, hey, I want to be part of this. You know, this is a big audience. I want to do more. And if I do well here, I can get this opportunity, that opportunity. Say what you want about Alex and Mutt. Uh, they do that. They're hustling. They're trying. And I want to reward those people, especially if they're good at their jobs, as opposed to people who just expect things. I hate that. I hate the entitlement. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, we could ask Chris Curtis, but nobody's knocking down the doors and saying, hey, I want this. This is a good opportunity. By the way, an open opportunity. If somebody came in and was good, we would use them, obviously. There's no doubt about that. So right now, I would say today, uh, May 25th, there are no new uh, additions to the casting couch. That is true. Uh, I got uh, some form of this a lot which was basically uh, if Jerry quit today and you had to fill out the show with two permanent hosts, who would you pick? A lot of that. When Jerry leaves, who's going to be your co-host, this or that. First of all, Jerry will outlast me here. Uh, we know that. If I had to pick a co-host right now, it probably would be Mutt. I'm most comfortable with Mutt. We do pretty good shows together. The show wouldn't be as good as me and Jerry. It just wouldn't be. Jerry and I would do a better show than me and Mutt. Me and Mutt would do a good show. Jerry and I do a great show together. Um, I don't think I would do a, a third co-host right now. Uh, I would probably rotate the people in and put another one in, I guess. Like if Jerry fell out, got hit by a truck today or a bus, that's probably how I'd do it. I can't think of any other great solutions. Again, I think that the city right now is is not exactly lighting up with, with big personalities. Uh, you know, I, I can't even, If I'm just thinking if we had to add a new person right now, if we had to add a new one right now, I got nobody, no one. I can't think of a single person. You get so many recycled people. That's the other thing. Nobody has, nobody has uh, come forward at all. It's frustrating. I thought there'd be more of that, really, when we did the uh, casting couch. It hasn't happened to date yet. All right. Hmm. All right. Leonard McDonald wants to know how much longer I want to do this. I presume by this. Uh, <clears throat> he actually has two questions. The second one's pretty good, too, for what I'm interested in. This, I'm guessing he means the radio, not the podcast. I don't know. I, you know, I have, a, I have a, a contract for a while. I'll stick it out, I'm guessing. I mean, I could get fired any time, of course. Um, you know, I don't know eight more years, 10 more years, maybe it's just, you know, and you sound like you're bitching and moaning when you say it, but when you get up this early every day, it absolutely fucks with you. It it ruins your life. It controls your existence. Getting up every day before five o'clock absolutely ruins your life by this is Thursday afternoon. I'm taping this. I am absolutely smoked. It is 1037 on Thursday morning here uh, at EEI as I'm broadcasting this or whatever I'm doing. 
and you're cooked. You can't even think straight. And you're so fucking tired by the end of the day. And by Friday, you're t- and by the time it gets to Sunday and you're feeling good again, you go back to work the next day and do it again. It's not and it's not the hardest job in the world. I understand that. But it wears you out. It wears you down. You're always cranky. You're always on edge. You're always angry. So I would say, you know, if I didn't have kids and these kids didn't have games and plays and uh, concerts and stuff at night, uh, I would like to do an afternoon show. You know, I would. Uh, but until the kids are older, I don't think I want to do that. I don't want to punt the uh, the flexibility that this position gives me to do the other stuff. I just I don't uh, I, I I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, midday I guess would be great. It doesn't pay as much, so I probably wouldn't want to do it. But you know, I'd be open to an afternoon show down the line for sure. You know, if Jerry and I, you know, whatever, have our fight, or Jerry retires, or I decide to do something else. In a perfect world, I'd probably rather do afternoons, but, you know, that's way down the line. My, my son's five years old. I mean, it's like, a, you know, 12, 13 years from now. I won't be doing this with him 54, 55, I don't think. He also asks, Nesson and Comcast are out. This is Leonard McDonald again, but could there be a channel or platform to simulcast your show? This is something else Jerry and I have talked about, and we were really close a couple of years ago uh, to simulcasting our show <clears throat> on Comcast. Touch and Rich wound up doing it. Um, it became a money issue with the station here at EEI. I think EEI asked for too much money uh, to broadcast a simulcast, and, and Comcast said, basically, no, you know, go fuck off. We'll do Touch and Rich. Um, I think a good, important morning show, whether it's us, I guess Mike and Mike, they're national, or Boomer and Carton. I mean, hell, when we were down in D.C. the day Hernandez killed himself, uh, during a break I snuck over and did a spot at the CBS station where we were with their morning show, and they were simulcast you know, locally, I think on their Comcast brand. I feel like most morning shows are. Um, I would welcome it. That'd be fine if the money was good and we liked the station and they left us alone. Like Nesson, ironically, although they got sick of us, left us alone. I'd be fine with that. Um, it's something we should explore. I'm surprised that people in this building have not spent more time exploring it. I feel like it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to make some money. Um, the, the the studio itself now looks much better than it did. It looked like shit. Uh, when we were on Nesson, you would have to tape down the windows. It wouldn't look stupid. You could do it right. It would actually look pretty presentable now. Uh, I'm all for it. I think it makes sense. I mean, shit, I think Zolak and Bertrand are going to wind up on Comcast. So you're going to have Comcast, Comcast, uh, rather, 98.5, 98.5, 98.5 on Comcast. So, you know, nothing from EEI on, on, on another station seems really strange to me. You know, I don't know why Dale and Holly aren't on Nesson. Dale's on Nesson. Why is that show not on Nesson? That seems unusual to me. Uh, that should happen. I don't know why that, that hasn't been discussed. And, you know, with all due respect to Dale Hall and Keith, it's a pretty safe show. Unlike us, I mean, we get in trouble. They don't. It seems like it's kind of tailor-made for Nesson. Again, I'm just uh, spitballing here. I don't know why that hasn't been talked about. We'll see what happens. My guess is in the next year, 2017, 2018, uh, if Kirk Callahan stays on the air and stays as successful as it is, and it's really successful, we're just going over the numbers, I would think it seems natural, but what do I know? I don't know. Um, it would make sense to me. Uh, Jared Durfee, at Durfee Jared, wants to know, is Jerry really a good guy? Been listening for years, Kirk, and i got to say I hated him, but it's slowly passed since you arrived. Jerry's another good guy. He's a great guy, and it frustrates me to have to say it. I've said it on the air. I've said it to him. Uh, <clears throat> but, yes, he's a great guy, and anybody who works with him would tell you the same thing. He's loyal. He's passionate. He's smart. And he actually cares. There are people on the air who pretend to care who don't. And then there are people who act like assholes like Jerry. And I think, honestly, me, who aren't. You know, Jerry's a great guy. Yeah. And you know what? He's a pain in the ass to work with, but he's also easy to work with. Today we had this 
If you listen to the show today, Thursday, it'll be up today. We had this like 40-minute fight. We didn't even go to break over concussions that was stupid. It made no sense. And we got dirty and we yelled at each other. We screamed at each other. We said stupid shit. We went to a break and it was fine. Like it doesn't, it, it's, he's the easiest guy to work with while being demanding at the same time. That's what I would say. And I think the show right now is working well because of that. I think when John was here, to some extent, now the show did great when John was here too, but I think there was that dynamic of can you say this around Dino? Is he going to get sensitive about this? He gets pissed off about this. Are we going to have to deal with this? That's gone now. That's just totally gone. I think the producers would tell you the same thing. And I think it's made the show better. I think the show is as good as it's ever been uh, since, since we started this up in September. I think, it's, you know, I think it's the best show in the market. And a big reason why is, it, is that you have two guys who genuinely like each other, care about each other, and aren't afraid to give each other shit. It's like when you talk to your friends. When you talk to your friends, do you give each other shit? Or do you ask, who's a better coach, Tyron Liu or Brad Stevens. Nobody ever has that conversation in real life. So I don't know why on Sports Talk Radio they decide to have a conversation you never have in real life. In real life, you have conversations about fucking ISIS or about announcers or about fucking women or movies or TV or whatever. That's what happens. So it's this weird thing that I've never really been able to understand. But that's, I think, what we do well. And I think the show is absolutely rolling right now. Uh, okay, when the Red Sox buy WEI and have you fired, what's next? That's been my theory. You're stealing my theory, uh, Lou, here on Twitter. Lou Vigo, I guess, on Twitter. Is that uh, EEI will be bought by the Red Sox. John Henry's going to want a radio station. He's going to sweep in. He's going to buy EEI. Uh, and they will stay with they, the, the people right now in the merger. They'll keep 98.5. will be under Red Sox uh, ownership. And they are right. If that happens, my guess is I would be gone very quickly. Uh, that's a good, you know, that's a good question. What will be next? I don't know if Jerry and I would still do a show together. Jerry's obviously more of a Red Sox honk. Maybe they want to keep him around. I would like to do another show. I could do a, a show. I think at another station, ideally, maybe where you know it's not a sports station necessarily. We could do our show on a non-sports station. I think and be absolutely fine. Now I don't know how many of those opportunities are out there. It sounds great in theory, and then you're out in the street. But I, to answer what's next, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not sure. You know, podcasting and is to make a living would work. Probably not. Would I go back to write again? Yeah. Would it pay the same as radio? No. I'd probably try to find a job in radio, hosting a morning show, ideally with Jerry, and uh, try it somewhere else. Bring Chris and Ken with us, and sort of bring the Kirk and Callahan show as a package uh, around town and see who bites. Maybe nobody would bite. Maybe three people would bite. I mean, shit. If two people bite, you're in business. Uh, but that would be my guess. But I will say this: I agree. Because I've thought about it. If the Red Sox do that, it's going to be, you know, Red Sox propaganda radio with Karen and Wakefield in the morning and, you know, uh, Eads and Lions in the afternoon. Like, I'm, you know, that's that's what it would be. Ian Brown is your weekly guest and stuff like that. And they would talk to players and they would have sponsors like the Red Sox have sponsors. I don't think it would be hard to sell. Nobody would listen to it. Um, but I think I think that that could potentially work. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that there's a chance that that's going to happen. I would not be surprised at all if that happened. Uh, Let me see here. All right. We'll do this one here. Would you rather have to watch your own conception or listen to Mutt's fake outrage voice for an entire four-hour show? Tough call. I don't think I'd want to watch my conception. But Mutt's fake outrage, which has been amplified lately, is starting to bother me a little bit because you see him... It's weird. It's not even he's faking it. I guess he is, but it's almost like he's trying to impress the people in the room as well. And it just comes across as totally fake. Mutt as a guy, as a radio personality, is fine. I wish he would be comfortable in his own skin. He's not for some reason. 
He's very worked up about this, where he gets in this fake outrage thing about nothing. And you look at him and you're like, what the fuck are you getting so upset about? I will say this, and this happens now, and part of it's because he's on our show so much. The tie toward Mutt. Mutt used to be a guy that everybody liked. People now are starting not to like Mutt. I'm going to be curious to see how Mutt handles this going forward, because Mutt has been used to people liking him over the years. You know, he's been he's been the guy who Twitter likes. He's been the guy who, you know, media critics like. He's been the guy who textures like. Everyone kind of likes him. But now he's trying a little harder. He take, he's having some takes that are a little different than he usually would have. So now people are starting not to like him. I'm going to wonder. I wonder if he's going to wind up liking this or not liking this. That, to me, is going to be the big thing with Mutt, uh, Mutt going forward. But Mutt's going nowhere from our show unless he gets his own show. You know, I know he has one, but I'm saying 10 to 2, 2 to 6, something happens. You know, he's going to be a big part of our rotation. You're going to hear a lot of uh, a lot of Mutt going forward. Uh, we, we like him. We like having Mutt around. Um, he fits in really well with the show. And I will say that for Trenny and uh, Alex as well, and now Tomasi, I think, they all fit in well with the show. It feels like a show when they're on. When we started doing it and we had these people in and some didn't work, it felt really uncomfortable. It doesn't feel uncomfortable on the air really ever. I mean, we have shows that suck. We have some shitty shows. Today with Tomasi, I thought we did two shitty hours and two decent hours. Um, but it always feels like a show, whether it sucks, whether it's a shit show or not. It doesn't feel forced ever, which I like, which was important to us when we sat down and kind of Jerry and I tried to figure this out. That was a big part of it. They have to feel like they're part of the show, and now they all feel like characters on the show, which is good. That's all we're trying to do. Uh, and I know a lot of people, I'll answer that. There's another question on that later. I'll get to that later. All right, Christian Saunders wants to know, who do I hate more, John Dennis or Rich Keefe? Um, hmm. <clears throat> That's a tough one. I don't hate Rich Keefe. Uh, I don't know Rich Keefe. I'm disappointed in what Rich Keefe has brought to the afternoon show. I could be a lone wolf on that. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think he agrees with those guys too much. He's a lot younger than they are, and he's sort of slid in. You wouldn't know it when you hear it. And I just think he just sort of, I think, wants to be comfortable. I don't think he's a guy who operates in discomfort a lot. You know, for him, a big deal is if he disagrees with Holly on, like, you know, Lou versus uh, versus Stevens or, you know, something Farrell did. As opposed to real, like, if it were me, I'll just give you an example. If it were me. And, again, this is the way I do it. It doesn't mean it's right. Um, Holly was on the podcast with me. And was the podcast was hugely successful. Ironically, I was just looking at the numbers. They printed them out for us earlier. It, it did immense numbers. And on that podcast, Holly told me that he knew before Dale knew uh, that Dale was going to get fired when they did the midday show together for a couple of weeks. Now, if I were the third guy in on that show... Uh, and Dale started the show talking about Tuka Rask. I was said, Dale, shut up. Shut the fuck up. Let's play the sound. Dale, how do you feel about this? Michael, how did you do this? Dale, do you still think about that? Do you think about it, you know, when you work with them now? Do you think, Jesus, this is a chance I got fired yesterday. Holly knows and I don't because there's a history of Holly not telling me I got fired. You know, those are the things I would do. And maybe to my, you know, uh, maybe it would hurt the show. Maybe it would hurt the show that day. I don't know. But I would love to listen to that. All day long when you're in the car... You get the same shit over and over. By 2 o'clock, if you know they're going to talk about that, and you go to 98.5 and Felger and Maz are talking about the fucking Celtics game from the night before, or a Bruins game, which one are you listening to for 25, 30 minutes? Not even close. So I think that's who Keith is. I think Keith is a sporto guy. And maybe I should just accept that and not be angry at him. I don't think he can change what he is. I think that's just who he is. And for me, it hasn't worked. Again, I could absolutely be in the minority on that. I hope I am. The show's doing fine. 
I'm happy for those guys. I like Dale a lot. I've worked with Mike a lot. I like him too. I don't hate Rich Keefe. Uh, and honestly, my hatred for Dino has is subsided a little bit just because of time. You know, it's been what? Since I really stopped working with Dino was last summer, because we're both off in the summer so much. I haven't really worked with John in, you know, basically a year now, coming up on a year, 11 months. Uh, and we were sick of each other. You know, we had different ways of wanting to do a show. I thought John's way of doing a radio show had passed. I thought it was antiquated. I thought it was very 1996. Um, I just didn't want to do it anymore, and I was ready to leave. Didn't mean that my way's better. It just meant I wanted to try a different way. And eventually, uh, someone will sit with me in the studio and look at me and say, this fucking guy's show sounds like it's from 2017, and they'll get rid of me, and I understand that. John and I, I think, just didn't just just had a different way of doing radio. And it, it, you know, the thing I'll say is I get, you know, people will say to me a lot, you know, you and Dino hate each other. Jerry and Dino fucking hate each other, too, for the last couple of years. There's no doubt about that. I mean, when the show started, Jerry would bitch about Dino. Chach was the producer of the time would bitch about Dino. So this idea that it was a Minahan operation is a little overrated, I will admit. You know, I was I was ready to be done. You know, I didn't want to do the show anymore if John was going to be the host of the show. I was going to be part of a different show, or I was going to go somewhere else. I just didn't want to do it. You know, uh, today's show with John would have been, you know, a lot of Red Celtics preview and a lot of Red Sox recap. Preview and recap to me is rough. It's just rough. I just want to talk. Again, I could be proven wrong. I have no question about it, but I don't want to do those shows. I don't want to be a part of those shows. And I do think it's generational. You know, I do. And I think for John, it was time to go. And he went, and if I saw John now, I would talk to him. I, you know, hate is a strong word. Did I hate him a year ago? Yeah. Yeah. Did he hate me? Yeah. Has it subsided on my end in the last year? Yeah, it has to some extent. For him, I don't know. You know, that I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, b- believe me when I tell you, there are more Dino questions coming along here. Uh, t- 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 let's see. Where do I want to go here? Let's do this one. All right. Yeah. Um. Well, we basically answer this. Why do other shows stick to sports and not follow the Kirk and Callahan ratings machine model? I'm not sure it's a ratings machine. It's a good question. I, you know, I would say there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, as I've said before, is Twitter. I think social media has made people scared to go outside the box. But I'm looking at it right now, and obviously I've had my problems with this guy. I don't think Fourier wants to stick to sports necessarily. Uh, I think there are other people who don't want to do it. I think I hear Jim Murray. I talked to Jim Murray who's over on 98.5. I know that he doesn't want to stick to sports. You know, he's on the show that does it, but if he had his own show, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't stick to sports. Now, that's a guy, if you said to me, who would you want to do a show with, uh, there's a chance he's a guy I might want to do a show with down the line eventually. I find him to be sort of an interesting guy. You know, we've had some good talks. He thinks outside the box. He's not focused on just sports, uh, but he pays attention to it. Uh, He's pretty articulate. He's got a good voice, has a good sense of humor. If you said to me right now, outside of Jerry, I could pick one guy in the market to do a show with, you know, I pick Jerry first, second, and third. It might actually be Jim Murray. I might want to try that show. That might be an oddball show that could work down the line. Or Tangway, or Mutt, you know, one of those guys. Um, but stick to sports. I mean, we do sports. We do a lot of sports when it's interesting. When it's not, we do something else. That's just, you know, that's just what we do. It has happened to work. Uh, the other shows of the station do more sports. Their ratings are pretty good as well. So maybe their way works. I don't know. I just, I, I couldn't do it. If there's nothing going on, you know, and when the Celtics are out, we're taping this on Thursday, they're going to be out tomorrow probably. You know, you're going to get Red Sox regular season talk for sports for the next three months. I'll pass. We'll check in. When something happens, we'll talk about it. But I'm not going to spend the next day recapping a 7-1 to win over the Mariners when, you know, 
Rick Porcello pitches. It's just not, it's not good. It's not good radio. It does okay, I understand, but for me, it's not good radio. That is right out of the, like I said, 20 years ago playbook. I don't know anybody who wants to sit there and talk socks for four hours. And that's why if the Red Sox ever had their own station, it would, it would probably make money because it advertised, but the fucking ratings would suck. All right. Um, Lyman Zerga wants to know, when is Christian Fourier going to be on? He would make a great guess. We've gone back and forth on that with Fourier. I guess I'll have him on eventually. Uh, he's He's been open to coming on. If he wants to do it again, I guess he will at some point. Right now, I'm in the past. I think we've done too many. I want to spread out the station, guys. We've already had Lou on. We've had Jerry on a couple of times. We've had Glenn on. We've had Michael on. I think, you know, there aren't many left with between Dale. And we've had Keith on between Dale and uh, Fourier. I'd kind of like to spread that out. I mean, if this podcast is indeed going to have the shelf life of my contract, to get rid of these guys, you know, to just bang them all out within the first year, year and a half, I think would be stupid. Uh, so we'll wait. And right now, I think the relations, the morning, midday relations are actually pretty good for a change, which is uh, which is nice. There's peace right now. There'll be wartime again soon. And then we won't talk to each other. So then the podcast will be scraped for a while. And then we'll be good again. And then we'll fight again. So we'll see. The midday guys are doing a good job. You know, this show... It's interesting to listen to it. They have clearly found a rhythm and a chemistry that they didn't have when it started, which was under, I mean, that just happens. Uh, but they have found their stride right now. They seem comfortable. They obviously have some inside jokes. They have some, you know, they understand each other's sense of humor. They're not afraid to shit on each other. The midday show for me right now uh, is working. I mean, I think they, like I said, they found their stride, and it's not easy. Not all, not all shows do. Uh, and they have to feel good about that. And the numbers bear it out. They're doing really well. They are really competitive right now. Uh, and they weren't, you know, a year ago or two years ago. A lot of that credit goes to our show in the morning, obviously. But a lot of credit goes to the, to the midday show, too. They are a good, good show right now. I wouldn't have said that a year ago. I wouldn't have said that 18 months ago. They have figured it out. Um, hmm. Were the Foxwoods broadcast the beginning of the end for Dino, asks uh, Jeff Hacksaw. Uh I don't think so. The beginning of the end, I don't think so. It was unusual. John was definitely feeling no pain. Uh, we've talked about it before. We sat, it was me, Jerry, John, Curtis, a couple people from Foxwoods, and Kevin Graham, our old program director. And John was lit. And he went to use the bathroom, and a, a chef brought him back in from the kitchen. John had gone to the bathroom mistakenly to take a piss. He was pretty hammered. Um, but no, I don't think so. I mean, he went to rehab after that. It wasn't really the drinking thing. I think John, I do think there was something to the fact that John was tired of getting up. And I guess he's 20 years older than I am. I mean, there's no way I would be getting up at 4 o'clock 20 years from now unless the money was outrageous. I think that wore him down. I think I wore him down. I think he and Jerry and Meter sort of had a thing going where he could tolerate Jerry and Meter was not as big a personality. And I came in and he said, I don't want to fucking deal with this asshole anymore. Fine, it's yours. Have it. I think there was some of that. Um, I just think he decided that it was, I mean, to John's credit, I mean, you don't see him try to do shows right now. You don't see him doing commercials right now. You don't see him pitching to get on the air, which I was wrong about. I thought John was going to miss the limelight and the attention. I guess he uses Twitter for it. I don't know. He blocked me, but I think that he has made a a choice that he is just retired, which I did not think was going to happen to his credit. He has done that. I love, by the way, I would love to have John on the casting couch, like once a month, bring him in. He could sit in that third chair put his feet up and just bullshit with us for four hours. Doesn't have to worry about the hosting duties, which he didn't like after a while. 
and I agree, they can, they're, they're, there's more to that just in terms of just pure paperwork and bullshit and worried about the breaks and all that crap. He could just sit there and say whatever the fuck he wants. What does he care at this point? What does he have to lose? He's retired. His career is done. He's had a great long career. He can just freewheel it. For me, ideally, perfectly, once a month, if John wanted to do that, I think people would like to hear that. I think Jerry would be fine with it. I would. I think it would be fun. I mean, that's an open invitation to Dino to do it. Maybe he wouldn't want to do it. Maybe, in fact, he's just really done with it. I don't know. We'll see, but that's out there. Uh, Emily Cam wants to know, what actually happened between you and your brother, the one whose wedding you officiated and you guys stopped talking? So that was in 2013, I want to say. In September 2013, I officiated my brother Adam's wedding up in Maine. Uh, Over Labor Day weekend, maybe, I want to say. At the Tides, beautiful spot up in Maine. Um, Right by where we are, uh, we have a a place in that area in the summer. So my brother Adam and I have have had in the past a complicated relationship, I would say. It was not always great. Um, Up years, down years, up years, down years. And we were in a decent place. Uh, He's turned his life around, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, He's matured. Uh, Got married and asked me to officiate his wedding, which I was, you know, fine. I was happy to do it. Well, not happy to do it, but I did it. But then a couple of weeks before, he said, ah, I'm not sure you're going to do it. And then he said, okay, can you do it? So I said, sure. And they said to me, you know, I, we don't want this a long, drawn-out thing. It was not obviously not a religious ceremony. As quick as possible. I took that to mean as quick as possible. I said a little something. I officiated it from beginning to end. I think it was like eight minutes. And everybody went in. It was a great party, a great time. Um, and then one of his friends, a uh, friend of his who I know, came up to me and said, just so you know, he's thought it was too fast. He's kind of pissed off. He thinks you kind of blew it off. And it pissed me off. I was like, fuck this. I really was. I was like, I, you know, did this for this guy. I was happy to do it. And I get shit on for it. Like, you know, you can't win. And that pissed me off. And we didn't talk for a while, a good while. Uh, had a bad phone conversation that we said some, I said some particularly nasty things to be fair. Um, I think I said to him, my life would be better without you in it, I think was a quote. And he was hurt. And um, we didn't talk for a while. And then we did. And that was a couple of years ago. Uh, he has two kids since who are great. Um, and obviously what we've gone through with my parents, uh, we're getting along great. You know, I love him. We've He, he was fantastic and continues to be fantastic uh, with my dad uh, and my mom. My mom obviously is, well, I'm, I'm, you may not know this. My dad died, as I said before, three weeks ago from multiple myeloma. Uh, he'd been sick for 20 months after his diagnosis. My mom right now is in her second year of battling stage four pancreatic cancer. So she's recently widowed for three weeks and is fighting this disease and struggling with it. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's gotten worse here even in the last week or two. Uh, and he's been great. Both my brothers and, and the families have been fantastic. And, 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 you know, there is some truth to it that this, this stuff can, I think, go one way or another with a family. It can either really break them apart or can make them tighter. And I think for our family, it has made us, in fact, tighter. It has made us stronger. There has been one thing we, we sat, my brothers and I went out to dinner right when it started, after my mom got diagnosed, and we said, we just can't have any bullshit here. We can't have any stupid fucking fights over nothing. We see it happen all the time. When my uh, dad's mom died, uh, my grandmother died 22 years ago, you know, there was little piss fights afterwards about who gets this and who sits here and who gets this chair and who gets this clock? And it led to people not speaking to each other for years. And I said, we're just not going to do that. We're going to be, for once, adults and be better than this. And so far, we have been. And everybody listening knows, or I'm sure everybody's lost somebody. Most, I think, have probably lost a parent. 
And you know it's a brutal process. It's uh, it's an unbelievably tough process. And you can get angry with each other just for an outlet. You know, just simply for an outlet. But we haven't done that. We have we have hung in. And I'm really proud of... Uh, I'm really proud of both of my brothers. I really am. Uh, they've been great. Fantastic. So, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I love them both very much. Uh, my youngest brother and I were always tighter than my middle brother. And I don't think that's really the case anymore. I think the three of us now are are strong and uh you almost have to be now you know particularly in the next few months going forward it is a it is a tough beat it's an unbelievably tough beat but, so that's what happened at the wedding i think i overreacted to some extent because we were still not quite getting along perfectly uh i think him saying that to somebody probably wasn't the right thing to do either uh then i was wrong on the phone call so i would say that was mostly my fault honestly to be honest with you um but yeah that that's that's where we're at right now um Let's see. Top. No, I'm going to do that later. What would you say to Jamel Hill if you met her in person? Asks Kevin. Uh, I'm not sure. I, you know, I've seen her tweet that she ran into me, that, that she has some things she wants to say to me or whatever. If I met her, I would say, nice to meet you. Like, if it came up in a conversation, I would say, your show sucks. Like, if she said, you've badmouthed my show, I would say, well, it's because the show sucks. Um, and then maybe we'd have an argument about it. I don't know. I've asked her to come on the podcast. We've asked her to come on the show. She doesn't want to do it. Uh, the show's bad. I mean, you know, I, I watch it now to, to sort of marvel at how bad it is. And I continue to be amazed at what ESPN is putting on the air and what their thoughts are going forward. Like, you could say, I was uh, emailing with somebody back and forth in the biz uh, the other day, yesterday, a pretty prominent guy. And he said to me, what's going to do worse, Sports Center 6 or uh, the Mike Greenberg show? And I said, to me, like, you can spin it. I've seen Richard Deitch do it and other people. That there are certain demographics that Sports Center Six reaches that other shows don't. I don't know if that's true or not, but I can see you making the case for it. I can have that conversation. The Mike Greenberg morning show by himself, like on ESPN, appeals to nobody. The man has no talent. Mike and Mike is a show to take to listen to from the airport uh, to the hotel, then from the hotel to the airport. If you're in Oklahoma City or Tacoma or something, that's it. That show is going to do nothing, get no viewers, and they're going to sit there and get rid of it in a year and a half after it starts, and they're going to hire someone else, with, they're going to hire with him from another show that's failing. ESPN doesn't get it. Like, look at EI. Like, I would at least say this. Like, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't say, well, Mike Salk sucked in the afternoons, okay? His ratings were fucking dog shit. So let's move him somewhere else within the day because maybe somebody else will like him here. Or, you know, hey, uh, Whatever, another show that did no ratings. We're going to move him to another spot. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. I don't get why they would do that. Uh, but ESPN has decided to do that. You know how it works with ESPN. Ideology means much more to them than ratings. Uh, let's see. This is a good one. Uh, Peter Pinehurst says, You mentioned one on-air host didn't contact you after your father died. Does this person have a Super Bowl ring? He does not. Christian Fourier has multiple Super Bowl rings, reached out and texted me. I know he sent Jerry a long text as well. I will say about Fourier, and we're not friends, so like I don't expect, just because you work with somebody, you don't expect them to be friends with them. I don't even really work with Fourier. He has a midday show. I have a morning show. We see each other once in a while. Obviously, we've had a, a, uh, a combative relationship. So do I expect him to come to my dad's funeral? No, not really. No, and he reached out, and nice text, very nice, text him back, no problem. I will say this. Adi's never been to a funeral in his life. It is a very strange thing. Given the, I think he's even older than I am. Just like a grandmother or an uncle or a friend or anything. Just seems, it's a very strange thing. He said that before. I don't know if it's still true or not. At the time he said that. 
Uh, but no, that's not the case. Nope. Obviously, Jerry reached out. Uh, Tomasi, Trenny, Mutt, Alex, all the people I work with uh, did. Glenn showed up at the uh, wake. Lou reached out. Uh, Dale and, and Michael and Ben and all came to the funeral. Uh, the one guy who did not reach out was Rich Keefe uh, at all. Did not reach out to Jerry either. But again, I'm not really sure. I'm going to defend Keefe here for a minute. Like, what is he supposed to do? Like, I'm not friends with him. I've criticized his work on the air. Like, is he supposed to send me a bullshit text where he, he pretends like he likes me? Like, that's kind of awkward. Like, I don't really criticize Keefe for that. I mean, if we don't like each other and, you know, we don't know each other, like, if there was another person at the company, just because we're on the radio, like, on the air, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. I'm not going to criticize Keefe for that. In an odd way, I'd almost give Keefe credit for that because if he reached out to me, it's almost like he's reaching out because, A, he's supposed to, and, B, I would say, hey, Rich Keefe reached out. So I think he's being honest. Like, I, I praise people for honesty all the time and rip them that they're frauds. So because Keefe did this, uh, I'm supposed to criticize him. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I'm going to give Keith credit for that. And I'm not sure Rich Keith has ever met Jerry Callahan. For all I know, he hasn't. I want to say he hasn't. So if Rich has never met Jerry, doesn't know him, has no personal history with him, and Jerry's mom passes away, Rich Keith is supposed to contact Jerry because they both talk into a microphone at different times of the day in the same room somewhere? Eh, I'm going to say not a big deal. I'm going to give Keith a pass on this one. I really am. I don't know the guy, like... I mean, I will say this. If Rich Keefe's dad died, I'd probably text him, I guess. But maybe I wouldn't. Maybe he wouldn't want me to. If he wouldn't want me to, I wouldn't bother him. I don't know. I mean, you know, but knowing me, you guys know me. Like, this stuff this stuff bothers me. Like, I, I put these charts. Instead of just saying, you know what? This guy didn't come, so what? This guy came, so what? That's why the Trenny thing actually bothered me. Trenny didn't come to the wake or the funeral. Didn't go to Jerry's mom's wake or funeral. Like, you know, I kind of consider Trenny a friend. I've worked with her now for a few years on television and radio. We've done a lot of shows together now. Like, you know, I think we have a friendship, same with Jerry. So that's sort of, to me, not insulting, but sort of surprising. You know, like if Trenny's dad or mom lived in uh, Massachusetts and died, and I hope they both live long lives, I would go to the wake or the funeral. I mean, I just would. That's what I would do. I feel like that's your responsibility as a friend. You're supposed to do that. And a lot of people did. She elected not to. I'm sure she had her reasons. Uh, I haven't seen her since. Uh, but I was surprised. Disappointed is, is a different word. I, you know, that's 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 her choice. Uh, but that 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 one did surprise me. There weren't. I mean, listen, everybody showed up basically, so I can't say that I was you know overwhelmed uh, that Trent didn't show up. But I was surprised. I mean, I was surprised. I believe like everybody else. Uh, I'm gonna do a Springsteen one. Sure, I'll do one Springsteen one. Nick wants to know is Lucky Town the most underrated, underappreciated Springsteen record? If I should fall behind, is one of his best songs. I'm not a big fan of I Should Fall Behind. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of the Lucky Town, Human Touch, non-East Street Band era. There's some good writing in there, but the, if you listen to the songs, the production sucks. The most underrated, underappreciated Springsteen album is Magic from 2007. If you're, if you're a, uh, a minor Springsteen fan, I'll go back and listen to it. It's got a million great songs. It has uh, Devil's Arcade, Last to Die, um, Long Walk Home. Gypsy Biker, it's a great Springsteen record. He recorded it in 2007, so he was like 57 at the time. And I would put it up there as one of his top three or four albums. I'd put Darkness number one. Darkness on the Edge of Town is the greatest album ever recorded in the history of humanity. So that'd be number one. I'd probably put... I'd probably go River 2, Nebraska 3, Born to Run 4, Magic 5. So I'd put it in the top five. All right, fine, top five. Top five Springsteen. I'd put that the most underrated one is what I would say. Uh, let's see here. Take a couple more, then we'll get out of here. I thought I could go an hour, but I'm telling you, I, all these questions are all about Dino and casting couch and all that shit. 
Let's see. Prior to having your platform on EEI Morning Show to harass Boston Media and others, who did you use to torture? Well, it's funny. When I see people I went to high school with now, and they if they listen to the show, they say, You're, you, you do exactly on the air what you did in high school. And that's true. I was always sort of a sarcastic wise-ass who was like one statement away from getting my fucking nose broken. Although it did get broken once uh, by Eric Clemente, by the way, who was about five feet, four and hundred pounds, popped me right in the face for being a wise-ass. Uh, but it was what I always did. I'm comfortable in sarcasm. I'm comfortable being a fucking asshole. It's just more fun. Uh, so that was, sort of, that was sort of my life all the way through, whether it was my little brothers uh, or friends of mine. Uh, but I feel like, you know, <clears throat> like I said before, like this is how guys talk to each other. Jerry said it before. He's exactly right. Guys who are friends are not nice to each other. Like You don't say, oh, how, you, had, you had a good day today? How's it going? You break each other's balls. You shit on each other. I mean, that's just part of what we do. So I would say it's, that's, that's not that different. Uh, to be honest with you, <clears throat> uh, give us a relate an update on your relationship with Bradford. You make a lot, you make fun of him a lot. Although you claim to be good friends, we are good friends. I make fun of him a lot. I think Rob gets frustrated with that. I think that's Rob's cross to bear. He's going to have to deal with that uh, going forward. It's not going to stop. And I've said before, there is this wacky Bradford persona that he's doing, which for me seems like crazed. He almost seems insane when I hear him like this. He's not like that in real life. Rob in real life is just as cynical as I am. If you knew him, you would know that's true. But he decides to do this Bradford thing, which I have never understood, ever. I've never got it. Uh, he's like, this, this, like, you're not like that. Just take a deep breath and be yourself. If anything, I can tell you, being yourself works on the radio. Rob does this other thing where, I, I don't know, maybe it's work for him. He's on the radio more than I am. He's on the fucking radio all the time. Uh, Danielle wants to know, Name one Boston media personality viewers and listeners think is nice, but is an asshole to people behind the scenes. Ooh, that's a good question. Let me think. First of all, it's not a lot of Boston media personalities that viewers and listeners think is nice. I've heard that about Dale. I've heard that Dale can be an asshole to producers and stuff. I have to say I've not witnessed it. Um, I will say that Dale, much like Rob, off the air... Uh, is much more cynical than he is on the air. Uh, like I said, commercial break Dale is different than on-air Dale. Now, we're all different to some extent, but I think Dale's moves from one end to another. But I've not seen, really, it's funny, um, a lot of people be assholes behind the scenes that much. John can be tough. I can be tough. But most people, by and large, in the media, and it's a disappointing answer, are pretty good guys. Um... You know, I have heard from people at Comcast that Tommy Curran can be sort of a diva sometimes, can be a handful. I, again, have not experienced that. I've done radio and some TV with Tom. I have not experienced that. I have heard that. I have not witnessed it. I have not witnessed many people be assholes to uh, little people, is of course not the right word, but uh, off-air, whether it's a producer or a camera guy or somebody helping with sound. I really haven't seen that, only because like they're all good. they're all good guys, too. You know, the it's just not worth it. It's it's not worth the fight. Um, I'm trying to think. There must be somebody who is just a fucking asshole that I'm forgetting about. Shit. I'll get tweets about it. I can't think of anybody, like, obvious. Because I have in my head, I'm, I'm picturing somebody being a total asshole, and I can't remember who it is. I don't know. I mean, you do hear Granby can be a handful. I've heard that. Again, have not witnessed it. Have not witnessed it. Um, I'm trying to think of people I filled in with when I first started. Didn't really experience it. 
<clears throat> I've heard a little bit of that on Buckley, a little bit, even from our producers. Again, uh, that's when I'm not around. I have not seen it. Uh, shit, if I had seen that, I would have talked about it on the air. Um, the other side's much easier, obviously. You know, a guy like Shaughnessy is really easy to work with. Uh, I've done TV with him and some radio, and he's great to everybody. Uh, Borges is the same way. Uh, Jerry's the same way. These people have these reputations. His assholes, Tomasi, is completely the same way. Uh, they're they're just you know it, they I think it's easier just because it's they're nicer just because if anything it's easier it's just easier to do it uh, you know no question uh, oh same Danielle's a follow up question favorite category favorite category on tube galore <sighs> let me see let me go to it right now favorite I, I'm more of a scroller to be honest with you all right let's see here tube galore tubegalore.com Dot com. It's going to take forever because I'm in this booth where the internet sucks. I mean, you know, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to this. You know, I would go lesbian and mature lesbian and stuff like that. Not a big fan of amateurs because it's, first of all, when you go to the amateur site on Tube Galore, uh, it's mostly bullshit. Most of it's like real scenes and the amateur ones are kind of scary. A lot of places on Tube Galore scare me, to be honest with you. This is sort of like robots and like, you know, pissing and... And like shit like that, it it, it 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 would concern me. Here we are we're on tube galore now, like uh, all categories, all categories. Come on, Jesus Christ! There you go. Like, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go one. I was so many of them, but like, you know, am I gonna go the ten inch cock? I'm thinking probably no. Eighteen year old, nineteen year old, negative, negative. That's first of all, that's weird for me anyway. Like, they're much closer to like my kids' age than my age now. That's a scary world. I have always, even as a youngster. Always preferred like the older women's scene. 3D, 4D, nine months pregnant. Uh, I'm passing on all these. Aerobics, uh, airplane, like airplane sex. Why would I want, what's good about that? Uh, amateur, they're all, so you go, amateur and gangbang. Uh, you know, amateur, am, amateur lesbian. I might give that a click. Anal, anal beads, uh, anal cream pie, anal dildo. These are all passes for me. Uh, the whole anal world for me is a pass. I'm with Brandy Love, my friend Brandy Love, who was commenting on Twitter recently. Uh, babysitter, no. Again, young, weird, creepy. Feels like the FBI would break in at any moment. Bachelorette seems too busy for me. Banana, balloons, basketball, uh, BBW, bedpost, begging, uh, belly. You know, I, I don't think so. Big nipples. Uh, bimbo, bisexual, I'm passing all these. Bizarre, no. Uh, let me see. Booty shake, Brazilian lesbian, maybe. Busty milf, uh, maybe. Butt plug for me is a pass. That's going to be a pass for me. Cage, no, don't think so. Cat fight, that seems odd to me. Chilean, chubby Asian, cinema, clamps. No, you know, I'll go through it. I'll always give it a look. But I'm a traditionalist. I like the lesbian. I like the mature stuff. Those have always been my, like, you know, when I'm looking at, you know, uh, uh, where, where uh, you know, yeah. Swapping, no. Uh, finish compilations, no. Dentist is a no to me. Like, when it gets outside, like, the to the really weird stuff where you're, like, for me, if I clicked, I'm going to click on dentist right now. Let me see. Where's dentist? Because I lost it. Disco? What the fuck? Dentist. Here it is. So you click on dentist. And... MILF gets punished at the dentist. The perverted dentist. Uh, French amateur dentist. 
My dentist makes me hard. Like, for me, I need to, like, for me, for a scene, I have to buy into the scene. Like, I have to believe there's some, I need a whiff of reality. I need to escape and go somewhere else. Like, like, but it has to be something that's rooted at its core in reality. That's where Brandy Love is so great. All their scenes have some sense of realism to it. Dentist, to me, is not a real scene. Egyptian pyramid, to me, is not a scene. Uh, you know, urine for me is not reality. Uh, I'd be watching that like laughing. I'd say this is not real. Like it's not real. So for me, it's traditional. I'm an old, I'm, I am. If you could say anything about me, a traditionalist, particularly when it comes to pornography. Uh, Tube Glore is a fine service. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, but that's what they do. Like it, it is wild though when you go through it. Like I'm looking at these right Halloween handcuffed. But there are people. I mean, look, there's a world for it, and I, that's fine for me. If this is where they get their rocks off, it could be a lot worse. Uh, but yeah, for me. Uh, I mean, you get a lesbian; it's a whole world. I mean, it never ends. You cannot run out of uh, out of that. That 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 is a world that never stops. Mormon for me is a pass. No panties. Eh, we could talk about that maybe. Obese? No. Nope. Old farts? I'm gonna say no to that. No. Pegging again. We've talked about that before. Is a pass for me. It is an absolute pass uh, for me. All right, we'll do a couple more here. Maybe we should do one more station thing. Maybe. Let's see. Problem is, so many of my because they suck. I just decided not to do. You know, I, I kind of went through half of them. Uh, Tangway needs to get back in the mix. His insanity and ambivalent attitude is unparalleled. Any updates? Uh, I don't have any Tangway updates. I would say, as I said about the simulcast, if you put a gun to my head and said, "Will Gary Tangway be on the Kirk and Callahan show again in 2017?" I would answer yes. My answer to that would probably be yes. Uh, would I be surprised if he didn't? No. I'd say it's 50-50. We haven't really talked about it lately. Uh, I know he's not He's not closed the door to it. I'm still confused. Some six months later, is that right? Has it been six months since Gary's been on the air? <clears throat> I'm still confused some six months later why he left. Um, again, a half hour before, he was saying it was the most fun he's ever had in the show. <clears throat> we miss him. I mean, the show's doing great without him, but I miss having Tangway around. And for me, ideally... If you could get Tangway in every week, once a week, you could pick his day. And you had Alex, Trenny, Tomasi, Tangway, Mutt. Every day you had a casting couch person. That might be okay. You know, the other question I get asked a lot is, why don't you and Jerry just do the show together? When I say a lot, I mean, you know, when people talk to me about the show, I'm not, people aren't badgering me down the fucking street with it. And we did the show together yesterday. It was great. I think we could do a show together once a week. It would be fine. But yeah, I mean, we'd love to have Gary back. Because when we say there's nobody out there, well, there's Gary who's out there, obviously. And if he joined the show and was on once a week and did some summer stuff and just pairing with Mutt and with Alex for Phil and stuff would be a lot of fun. We miss having Tangway around. I'm still confused why he's not doing it anymore because I know he likes it. I know he misses it. I know you know doing that show bores him, the show he's doing now. It, it, it just does. It's just not what Tangway is. And those shows for me are struggling right now. You know, I watch both those shows pretty frequently. And there's just no juice to him. You never see anything on Twitter about them. There's no buzz. Nobody ever talks about it. It just feels like rinse and repeat, those shows, every single day. I was watching it last night, and they were doing something where Holly was a judge, and it was uncomfortable how bad it was. Like, it was just, like, I appreciate they were trying to be irreverent, but it was like you almost couldn't watch. You were so uncomfortable watching it. Uh, so I think Tangway doesn't want to sit there every day and do the same thing over and over again. Um, so I think he'll be back. Yeah, my guess is if he had to do it uh, next year or so, I would say he, he's going to be back. That would be my guess. Uh, one more. Let's do one more. Let's see. Maybe we'll do two more. Uh, I'll do this one. 
What are the three worst verbal crutches and or ticks on Boston sports radio? <laughs> I'll start with me. I say again, I've probably said again 30 times this podcast. Again, again, again. Like, you know, I don't need to say that, but it gets you to your next thought. I don't really pick up on them a whole lot. Salk had a bunch of them. Um, I think Dale will go to a text, say the text to the texture, whatever, to get through 30 seconds to get to something else. Um, I don't pick up a lot from Christian and Lou. I mean, Lou has certain words he says a lot. Outstanding and damn, he says a lot. Uh, Maserati says, to me a lot. To me, to me, to me. I used to do that a lot. And Mutt actually pointed out to me and said, you know, you say that a lot. And he's right. It's sort of a, uh, uh, there's no reason to say it. Obviously, it's to you. You're about to make a point that's your point. Um, I'm sure there are many more. You can tweet them at me. Many more ones that I'm forgetting about. Uh, but I have definitely have a few. Again, is a big one of mine. I don't say the at the end of the day that much, but but again, is a big one for me. Uh, and to me, with Maserati, I hear him say it all the time. And yes, I listen to their show. I listen to our show. I listen to Zolak and Bertrand. I listen to Glenn and Lou and Christian. Uh, just like those guys listen to Touch and Rich, and they listen to us. We all listen to each other's shows. Uh, which begs another question. Uh, I got a couple of these. Is it going to be a third sports station in town? I've always been on board of saying if, if it's number one and number two in the market, why wouldn't there be a number three? I guess there's a couple of potential roadblocks. Number one would be expensive. You have to hire talent, as you guys know, from most of these radio stations that play music. You don't have to pay the talent much. They just play their play their music, and a lot of it's syndicated. Uh, number two, there's a sort of idea that you need a rights fee. You need you need to you need to uh, have a team, whether it's the Celtics or Bruins, Patriots or Red Sox, sort of tag into your station to make it easier to sell. And to do that, and right now those aren't available. Maybe when the Celtics come up, I think the Celtics are up at the end of this year. I could be wrong. Uh, in the Bruins, uh, maybe somebody grabs one of them and starts a station and says, you know what, we're going to go with a uh, town that's not as well known. We're going to pay them less. We're going to start and see how it goes. And if you get an FM station, you might have a chance. You could have a chance. I'm not sure what those shows would be. <clears throat> but, yeah, it seems strange when number one is a sports station, number two is a sports station that covered the demographic, and then they're number one in a bunch of other demographics, number two. Why wouldn't you try and emulate it anyway? And maybe you're fifth or sixth, and if you're paying your town less than they're paying us, or they're paying over across the street at the sports hub, why wouldn't you do it? That seems to me to make a lot of sense. Uh, let's see. Eh, don't like that one. Don't like that one. Silas Hathaway asks, how do the health struggles that your mom and dad uh, went slash are going through impact how you view religion or faith? It's an interesting question. Um, it hasn't really. I don't believe in God any more or less than I did uh, when my dad was alive or my mom didn't have cancer. I'd say this. I continue to be incredibly envious of those who do believe. And in my dad's last few weeks, um, you know, my dad was a religious guy. He didn't go to church every week, but he believed. He was a believer. Um, and in the last week we saw and spoke to three or four different people who came in, uh, priests and, um, you know, we talked to them in church and wanted uh, the hospital rather, and wanted to talk to them. And I think took some comfort from it. And I talked about my eulogy. Um, you know, the last, my dad had been really sick. Uh, the last few weeks were really, really rough. Um, the last week or 10 days in general were, were particularly bad. We were, we were in mass general, uh, in the emergency room, we hadn't been moved up to a room yet. After he, he went to the hospital Sunday night before he died, having a tough time breathing. He was really struggling with it. Um, 
and he was stuck downstairs in the emergency room for mm, almost a day, I think, before they moved him upstairs to the ninth floor, where he was before he went to the hospice, where he was for a day uh, before he had passed. And at one point, he was really struggling breathing. And this is what happens with multiple myeloma a lot, is that it just it just invades your lungs and takes over. And that's what the outline had been, it had been told to us, you know, a year and a half before we watched it happening. Uh, and he had one fit particularly where it was really tough to watch, and he was struggling, and he was saying, this is it, this is the end. And it wasn't, but when he finally got his breath back, he said, I want to see somebody, I want to talk. He knew, you know, my dad knew, he was a realist, and he knew that the end was really near, and he wanted to talk one more time to a priest and sort of have his last confession. Uh, and the priest came in and talked to my dad, and then we all left. And I could hear the start of the conversation my dad had with the priest, and I thought, you know, this must give him a little bit of comfort. And that's a pretty wonderful thing to get to have in that situation because there wasn't a lot of comfort for him. He had his family around, but he was, he was just so uncomfortable, struggling so much. Um, we had a priest come in later that day, and, and, and we all sat there, and, and he you know prayed for my dad, and we all sat in the room, and, and I had my head bowed, and I was praying for him my own way, hoping, really hoping that there was somebody out there who was listening that could make it easier for him. I would love for that to be the case. I really hope that there's a God and there's a heaven and my dad's there now and is comfortable and watching us and watching my kids and enjoying himself. I hope that's the case. I don't think that's the case. That's a struggle for me. I wish it were, and I don't think it's true. So when the question is, as the health struggles uh, impact how I view religion and faith, I think I respect people's opinions on it more in a way, though yesterday I went all on the Pope, but I don't consider the Pope part of religion. I don't. When I think of religion, I think of people's belief in God and their day in and day out commitment to it. And I respect that. I do have respect for people like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel there was a lot of religion around this the last couple of weeks. And it, I think it gave peace and comfort to my dad who was struggling. And I saw it in other rooms up there. I saw priests come in and out. And I could tell it gave comfort to families uh, as well. So yeah, I'm really envious of that. And I think it was uh, a really good thing. I think it was a good thing for my dad, and I wish I had it, and I don't, and it pisses me off in a way because I don't think it's something you suddenly get. I don't think one day you say, hey, I suddenly believe in it. I could be wrong. I don't want to end with that question like that. It upsets me. gives me bad thoughts, bad memories, stuff I'm still struggling with now. It's hard. you know. I know a lot of you guys out there, like I said, have lost parents, and it's been only three weeks I get it, but it's sort of this weird emptiness, you know? And you feel okay for a day or, well, a few hours. And then you think about it and you think, geez, you know, I'm never going to see this guy again. This guy who was, for me, sort of the central figure of my life. Somebody who I spent my entire life trying to prove myself to, to want their respect, to want them to, you know, love me. Um, and that's gone. Suddenly that's gone, you know, and, and just enjoy as we got older, hang out and playing golf together or, you know, watching the Celtics or watching our, my kids do something that's gone. And that's never coming back. And I feel like this feeling I have right now, as I'm speaking about it right now, I have sort of this, this thing in my stomach. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's ever going to go away or not. And I'm really struggling with that. I'm sure it'll get better. People tell me it's going to get better, but right now I'm just sort of lost at sea. And this stuff with my mom obviously doesn't make it better, but just my dad individually, it's this weird process that I'm nowhere near getting the end to. And, you know, it was 
first couple of days doing the radio seemed weird to me. It seemed not real. I'm sort of settled down now and able to move along and get past that. But I am really still, I'm just struggling right now. I'm having a tough time getting through it. All right, let me, let me do one more. Let me do it. Can I do a stupid one to finish? Because that really kind of bums me out. Uh, one dumb one to finish. You know, a lot of trendy questions. People, people hate trendy. Uh, let me see. Craig Mustard for the podcast. He was on the first uh, WEI program in the early 90s. An insane Eddie Allen movie. Fun. A couple of Eddie questions, too. Uh, we tried to get Eddie on. He didn't want to do it. Uh, Craig, uh, I say the people I've had on there, I've had Larry on, too, of course, and that did really well. I would love to have Craig on. You know, I'd like to have people on who have institutional history of the station. I love old radio stories. I'm going to have, we think, a Charles Lacquadera on as well here coming up in a few weeks. People really like the Maddie Siegel one. I've tried to get Carter Allen on, who had a book as well. I like old Boston radio stories. The Carter Allen BCN book is a really good one. Uh, I'd recommend getting that. Um, yeah, I would have Craig on in a second. Sure, I should do that, too. I should come in on a Saturday if I can and talk to him for an hour or so. But the history of the station, I love, i, I got to admit, I am absolutely uh, sentimental for old WEI stories. So, yeah, we'll do that. And I'll have Jason Wolf, our, my old program director, who told me I couldn't be on the radio every day. We'll have him on as well. Uh Yes, and we should. I'm going to keep trying to have Eddie on. That's a good suggestion as well. I'm trying to have Dino on too. We've reached out to Dino a couple of times. He doesn't want to do it. Uh, we'll see how that goes as as, uh, as uh, we continue to move on and get further and further away from when temperatures are at its warmest. Maybe John hates me. He'll never come on, but we'll keep asking. And I'm, I do want to have John on with us as well here at some point. We're going to do that as well. Okay, I think we're good. We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, the Enough About Me podcast, which is brought to you by Milton's, our great friends at Milton's who have been uh, so great to the show. And Again, you cannot go wrong. If you want a suit, if you want to look good for the summer or for the spring, casual as well as business wear, you cannot go wrong at Milton's. The store for men, you can go to Chestnut Hill, uh, you know, right at Chestnut Hill, go there, or you can go to the, uh, to the Mall in Braintree, South Shore Mall in Braintree, where Milton's will take care of you 1,000%. We love them. And I'm not going to go on the air and, and tell you Milton's is great if I think they suck. I would never do that. You guys know me. Uh, and I got Milton shirt on right now. My Milton pants on as well right now. Milton's is a great casual place. When you think Milton's, you think suits is a reason for that because they're great at it. But also think of the other stuff as well. They will outfit you perfectly for the spring and summer. Okay, that's the Enough About Me podcast with Kirk Minahan. Uh, it'll be up later to not what the fuck I tell you when it's up later today. It'll be up when you hear it. Uh, we'll be back. I think we may actually do a surprise one next week. Uh, for sure, we'll be back the week after. We got a bunch of stuff lined up. Uh, thanks again for hanging. I know it's not been great the last couple of weeks about the podcast. My fault. I should have had some in the bank uh, knowing this was going to happen. I didn't. I apologize for that. It will not happen again. Enough about me podcast. You can subscribe to us, of course, on iTunes as well uh, and leave a review. That helps us. It helps the podcast. It helps uh, people pay attention to it. The numbers have been great. They will continue to be great. I hope we we'll continue to do some good stuff for you. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks again. Uh, thanks for uh, your questions. We'll do this every once in a while. I think if it does well, I think a good hour is 45 minutes an hour is a good total for this. Uh, we may do one every couple of months. We may bring someone back in next time. Although I got to admit, I just enjoyed sitting here and talking and just sort of letting some stuff out. It was kind of therapeutic uh, for me. So that's it for now. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.